Welcome to TPQ20, where we go beyond the page with poets about passions, process, pitfalls, and poetry. I'm Courtney Margolin. And I'm Chris Margolin. Let's expand the conversation. Hey! Hello. Hello. How's it going? It is going well. How are you? I'm good. Good. Well, uh, thank you so much uh, for hanging out with us on TPQ20. Thank you. Um, so I'm Chris and, and this is... I'm Courtney. Nice to meet um, you. Nice to meet you. We know you as Dare Williams, uh, <laughs> but our audience might not know who you are. So we always like to start things off by saying, if you were to give an elevator pitch about who you are, who are you? Well, I'm a poet uh, living in Los Angeles. I'm also an editor and a facilitator. I'm also in an art collective called Vomir. We use the medium of photography. And that's pretty much it. Perfect. <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Ah, that's a great, a great place to start. And with that, we'll just jump right yeah. in to okay, our conversation. Cool. Great. So our first question uh, so starts around passions. What are your main passions when it comes to the world of literature? Honestly, I would just say that I'm like a big nerd around that stuff. Like I, I have the privilege of just having writer friends that all day we just talk about our work. We talk about our obsessions. We talk about what drives us to show up to the page. Right. And also like, I guess when I think about that question is like, why is poetry my weapon of choice? Right. Like I am trying to reconcile all of my experiences into language and finding out what kind of vessel that fits into. And, you know, some days I'm like, ugh, why? You know, <laughs> but I have to realize like, I, it's like, I feel this is really a gift where I, I just have this antenna that is tuned to where I am just taking in language every day and like driven by sound too. Um, and I have to write that down. I have to write down what's going on around me and how I feel about it. I love that. I love yeah. you sharing that with us. What a gift yeah. for us. Thank you. How do you find that your passions for photography cross over to the world of literature? Because you really do. I mean, obviously with your collective, you really do have two kind of two different sides of what you of an you know, artistic vision. So how do you find that those passions intersect? Yeah, I think that photography is a huge influence on me. You know, right now I'm I'm in the editing, revising variation phase of my manuscript and I'm working a lot with memory. And so I'm sort of hanging out with a lot of photographs that I have. And something that like Robin Cost Lewis taught me was that to really like look at the photograph for a long period of time, you know, like 20 minutes or more, however mundane it might be or simple and see like what really comes out. But I think in some ways, like without explicitly saying it, I... Ekphrastic. I will say a lot of my poems seem to be driven by photography in like a subconscious way as well. Like something kind of comes across my desk or something I'm looking at. And then later it feels like that all kind of mixes into what's happening in the actual poem. And so as much as I love painting and other like sort of mediums, I really am inspired by like what the camera renders and like what it catches and, and how that sort of translates into poetics, right? Like mm. my image system or, or what the poem is trying to 
fully render, you know? And I think that that's a, <laughs> I know. And I think that's a, that's a perfect kind of thoroughfare into that idea about process. So what is your writing process? And yeah. kind of, how do you prepare yourself? How do you fit all of those kind of pieces yeah. together? And just, I mean, maybe that is kind of how you do fit those pieces together. Yeah. I mean, right now I have to, like, my process is just, like, really chaotic. Um, <laughs> it's sort of like I'm writing when I can get it. I do have the privilege right now of having some time to carve out. The trick is to actually use that time for writing. <laughs> <laughs> But sometimes, you know, staring at a, I've had to learn this, that staring at a wall or out a window is also writing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will say I have a daily tarot practice. I pull a card every day. And right now I am writing into this manuscript. So I sort of have things around me. I listen to music without lyrics incense candles like there's a whole scene <laughs> i need the sensory around like sensory stimulation around yeah. me i take walks and that's part of my process i also need to pivot like when i i feel sometimes like the poem is just or i'll say the page is just this like sponge that i'm just trying to like so i go you know i pivot to either reading or i've been working on lectures I guess they're craft talks. Craft is such a tricky word, but I've been writing sort of these other things that aren't poems. And I don't know. I don't know what's going to come of that. I think, but I think there's a, a way big, to- there, I think there's a big want for kind of those craft talks though. There are a lot more popping up lately and yeah. they're almost these, like these uh, workshops without being workshops. Yeah, exactly. And just like, like, what am I doing? And rather than that showing up in a poem, I'm just writing it out in a different way. Yeah. Do you think, I'm mean, going to kind of come at the photo angle as well, because I really, I like that side of things. And I think there are so many more poets that we've spoken to lately who, who venture into the photography world, or at least the, the visual art world as well. When you're behind a camera, is your process the same? Is there a different thought process that goes into setting up a shot as there is to maybe setting up a, a sentence and a line break? That's a good question. I would say that, so in in the collective I'm in, I do, my other colleague does the actual photographing and I help with like the sets. On my own, I am working with film photographs and that's an interesting process. I think it's about like what is in the frame and then I'm often inspired of like what I didn't quite see right away. And like photography helps me pause. And something that I've been looking at in my poetry is that I think sometimes I leave a poem too early. Hmm. And so I've been learning to slow down and having the camera in front of me and looking through the viewfinder and then sort of pausing and seeing like what's in the viewfinder and then what's outside the viewfinder sort of in the margins. And then even if I have to just like move over a little bit, like what now becomes the center. And I feel like that's also bleeds into my poetics. Awesome. I love that. (laughs) That's that's a great answer. (laughs) (laughs) I like the idea. I, I think it's a really cool idea of kind of seeing what's in the frame is kind of, you know, I like that the moving just a hair over to see what else is there uh, that you might've missed earlier that could have added so much more to that moment. And now you can capture that as well. I like that. Yeah. 
and really yeah like thinking about the field of the page the canvas of the page there's this great Richard Sykin one of my favorite poets I always keep this close to me he says oh wait I don't want to mess this up the left margin is gravity and the right margin is divinity and I think about that a lot and then kind of how do I apply that in both photographs and poems don't know who or where what writing workshop I took when I was younger or if it was now I, yeah, sorry, yeah. I was in a car accident got bonked in the head and so time is a little wonky for me now but yeah they gave the advice to make sure that you left breath in your poem so that it yes. gave room so there was a room to breathe and that that always stayed with me because my favorite poems there was always that space where you just paused and you could feel yes yeah I yes. can see it on your face oh which yeah. is perfect for a podcast isn't it <laughs> everyone listening I could see on his face <laughs> yeah yeah and like what white space is doing right and like associative leaps I think a lot of people get stuck writing down the left hand side of the page and they just want to everything is another line there's not there's nothing to play with it's just line after line after line. Uh, you know, Microsoft Word capitalizes that first letter of each line, oh, and you I just and you just continue <laughs> down the page. And yeah. I think I think people people don't take a breath or take a moment to look outside the camera lens, and it is something that that's often missed. Yeah, I definitely still. That's like my go-to. Like when I first started out, that's kind of what because I was like my sort of teachers without them knowing that is they wrote like that, you know, the, the language poets left justified. And as my writing has grown, when I want velocity and I want to create this like fast tension, that's the kind of poem that shows up. But when I want to insert silence in my poem or, you know, the breadth and the depth, right? That's what we love. That's when I get to play around with space. And it took me a long time to learn that and realize that that's what was going on. Maybe that takes us to our next question which is pitfalls what do you see has been some of your biggest pitfalls or obstacles in your poetry uh, journey and how have you handled them and what are some of the things you've learned from them I would say one of the biggest things that I have learned and still learning is that you know I left poetry for a while I was writing my poems in secret and I just didn't I was being ruled by false narratives and I just didn't think that I could do anything with it. I think that's a mixture of like my own head telling me stories that aren't true. And also, you know, the public has some responsibility in that. And so, you know, I'm working class. I would write poems on the clock and just sort of thought, well, this is just going to be here, like close to me and not, I'm not going to do anything with it. And that started to change for me. And I started to sort of expand and make it a little more public and start to vocalize that this is what I'm doing and start to make decisions for myself, um, applying for residencies and fellowships and things like that and, and getting them and thinking, oh, okay. But that being said, I do feel like I'm often having to just accept where I'm at in this point in time, I think sometimes I have this sense of keeping my head down and getting to work and not enjoying like all of my successes because I have a time, I have like a time 
what am I saying here? I don't want to say like a time cloud, but this idea of like, I'm running out of time. Yeah. I think that makes, that makes sense. There's a time yeah. frame. We all have this little mini space of time yeah. that, that allows us to do what we want to do. And so yeah, and to enjoy your success in the moment. Yeah. But really, I think I'm so guilty of, and I have compassion for myself around this, but so guilty of just compare and despair. You know, what do I covet? The poet Gabrielle Calvert-Caressi has really taught me to just like ask myself those questions, you know, like what, what kind of animal am I? What do I covet? You know, what do I, I do think about like the things that I've aged out of. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I, I, I understand this. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, what can I do about that? Right. So I just keep moving forward and I keep celebrating others around me and I keep being of service to them and I just keep doing my work because that's not where the work is. So it doesn't behoove me to sink my teeth into those feelings, but gosh, it certainly comes up. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good way to kind of pivot toward the end here. What are you most excited about coming up in the world of poetry and literature? And then uh, what's coming up for you that we can expect? Yeah, I think Something I've been talking about with friends is there's just so much exciting work that's coming out that feels very different than anything I've seen before. And also in response to what we are going through, you know, some of the things that come to mind is there's this collection by Cody Rose Clevidence through Song Cave, and it's called Listen, My Friend, This is the Dream I Dreamed Last Night. It is this incredible book length collection of like research and then feelings and emotions. So it just, it braids like facts and feelings and I can't put it down. Mm. And then there's also just like all these hybrid texts that I'm really interested in and like experimental work. That's just really pushing language in a way that I haven't seen that is very inspiring to me. And I think something that's starting to happen as I'm working on, this manuscript of poems is that now I'm like, uh Oh, I can't, (laughs) I'm starting to work on a hybrid memoir (laughs) and I'm blaming Rajiv Mohabir for that because he just came out with one and it's incredible. And I'm starting to look at like how I can do that. And it seems like there's a lot of material for me to do that. (laughs) Awesome. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Very How cool. exciting. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for hanging out with us today on TPQ20. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, it's been wonderful having you. It's so exciting to hear what you're coming out with next. Thanks so much. We definitely look forward to that hybrid memoir. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and we look forward to talking to you again. Have a great night. Thank you. Thank Bye-bye. you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to TPQ20. Please like, review, and subscribe. 